0: is i'm actually okay if my cryptocurrency portfolio does actually go to zero because number one it won't and second <laughs> of all like i've only put in a handful of, of spare change down the back of the sofa it has handily transformed into a tidy sum and at the end of the day if i just leave it for the next five six years who knows maybe i'll have enough for a, a chunky deposit on a house that's that's how i'm looking at it oh, but yeah exactly it's about it's
1: about the long game Put in what you don't need so that you can afford to leave exactly. It. And if it goes to zero, hey, it was it was an experience. It and was if it goes fun. To good spaces, then cash out. Yeah, I always take a little bit of an interest in the in the mega stories that are still ongoing from ages ago. This the the whole GameStop situation. Uh-huh. Uh, like, what is the end game for all those people? Like, when the shares do all start to increase in value, which apparently is still inevitable. Um, When they start cashing out, surely only some of them will be able to before everybody else is screwed. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So like that's where it gets murky for me is it just don't buy into anything that's hyped because you also then have to stay ahead of the train when it's time to leave. (laughs) And that's hard to do.
0: Uh, nice and yeah. Essentially, just as the train's beginning to slow down, that's when you jump off. You bail, uh, yeah. And by the t- by the time it's stopped, it's too late because everyone, you know, all the early jumpers are already on safely on the platform. You've also got to know that it's slowing down for the
1: platform and not just for a corner. <laughs>
0: Precisely, and the
1: platform is still a couple
0: of miles away. That's the thing. You hear all these horror stories of people who are like, "Oh, I I bailed out my Bitcoin in 2016 because I made a grand, and if I'd left it, I'd be, uh, I'd have 30 million in the bank right now." Which, which sadly, has is a reality. I guess I spent two bitcoins on a pizza. Well, exactly. I think the guy actually spent seven thousand bitcoins on a pizza, and then because he was like, "Look, at this point." It's fine. They're worth zero point zero zero one of a cent. Yeah. And now he's regretting that. I'm sure. But anyway, that's uh, that's that's material I'm using up for, ahead of the interview on on Wednesday morning, which you can hear on BBC Radio Scotland. Spoiler, yeah, spoilers for BBC listeners. <laughs> exactly. You're hearing it, you hear it here first. That's the uh, the value of being a, a Patreon subscriber to Cease operate. <laughs> you get to hear all this exclusive, exclusive content access. before yeah, national yeah. radio people do. <laughs> Disclaimer, we are not starting a Patreon. You get personalised
1: advice from the blockchain Braveheart if you're a £10 per month supporter.
0: I mean, how much would we charge if we if we did start? A, we're not going to start a Patreon. This is entirely imaginary. Imaginary. I don't think I've got anything that I could put a monetary value on
1: to say, like, if you do £5 per month, we'll, I'll do this for you. I don't think I've got a skill yeah. that is tradable. I think the only thing I could do is just have no lower limit on how much people can offer and say like, hey, you get like between maybe like two to four podcast episodes a month.
0: Yeah, right. So my issue would be if I put a value on it, I'm essentially telling you how valuable this show is to your life. Yeah. So if let's say I was like, you know what? To join our Patreon has to be a tenner a month. Therefore, the podcast is worth to a single listener 120 quid a year. Which it's not. Like, it blatantly isn't. It's Just like, the two of us talking. It's worth less than 100 between you all. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. yeah. Because that's how much it costs to run. Well, Precisely. I mean, if you're going to be if we're going to be real about this, I think it's like, what, 78 quid for the SoundCloud subscription? Yeah, I mean, assuming that we don't charge for all the time we record and edit. Oh, I mean, if you were charging um, for that, then the Patreon would start at like 60 quid uh, a month. I would be Colin's biggest client. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be up there, I tell you. You know what? Those are my favorite clients, the ones who just come back every single week with the same old stuff, which I can just do in my sleep. Yeah, consistent work. I, I never have asked you to lower your rates. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's funny? Is I was looking through my Upwork profile the other day, which is where I, I get most or have received most of my current clients. It's a, it's a good wee website for any of you freelancers out there. Right. And uh, I looked at my profile. I started on the site in 2010. Oof. And one of the first jobs I did for $20 yeah. uh-huh. was to write blurbs for 200 of the world's biggest companies. $20 in total? $20 in total for 200 blurbs. 200 blurbs? Unbelievable. I think that job took me two days and I, I got 20 quid for it. Not not even twenty quid, twenty dollars. Which the platform took twenty percent and then took a further yeah, t- like two and a half percent. So I think in total it was something like eleven quid. Oh. I think it was eleven quid for two days' work.
1: Well, for two hundred blurbs. <laughs>
0: for two hundred blurbs, I That's know. That's the blurb, know.
1: blurb per penny. That's that high value blurb per penny for the client.
0: Oh, I mean they they must have just been delighted that they managed to get someone so cheap who was actually based in the UK and not Bangladesh. What a swindle, yeah. What
1: a scheme.
0: My goodness. Well, I mean, now I'm, I'm the one who's scheming them. I charged $80 an hour. It's great. Nice. No, it's worth. If you've got the qualifications, you're worth whatever you believe. <laughs> it's funny in that, did I tell I can't remember if I told you this. I had a chat with my boss recently about a new contract or perhaps adjusting ah. some of the roles of uh, of my current position. And at the end, I asked for for some feedback on, you know, how, how do you rate my performance or how I come across in sessions? He said, well, I've got two pieces of feedback. Uh-huh. He said, the first one is, please leave your phone downstairs in the office rather than take it upstairs to like finish a text or finish a tweet or whatever it is you're doing. And I said, okay, fair enough. That's fine. I, I take that po- that point on board. The second point he said was... I want you to be clean-shaven when you come into to work. Now, I, I said, hold on a second, hold on. This this isn't like I've forgotten to shave. I am intentionally trying to grow a beard and moustache because I'm told, or rather the voice in my head says, I don't look old enough. To which she went, right? Ha, 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 because apparently uh-huh. it was very funny right. that I was attempting and clearly failing to grow oh. any sort of facial hair that didn't look like I'd just woken up and forgotten uh, not to shave. So maybe the facial hair makes you look younger. I, I think it maybe just look. It made me look like I'd slept in, maybe, and was in a rush. Rather than, oh, he's clearly trying to, to grow something that makes him look older. Okay.
1: Well, th- th- those, those <laughs> bits of advice are digestible. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't say that you look unprofessional or anything with your facial hair. You look...
0: Well, Neither, neither do I.
1: I would trust you to tell me how to talk to
0: people <laughs> and to present myself. Does the fact that, yeah, maybe I've got nine-day stubble make me any less untrustworthy? I don't know. Leave I have, to, I have to ask the clients. But maybe it's just like a, yeah. a perception. You know, we, we are only the clean-faced, the clean-shaven clean company. That's the tagline. It's an old-fashioned
1: outlook. Um, it, is, it is. It is. It's weird. Actually, the history of mustaches and beards and clean-shaven faces is a interesting one. If you haven't read about it, I encourage you to go and find some sources and some... Okay. Uh, discussions on the topic because it is actually there's actually some depth to the whole situation
0: The the thing is if i could grow facial hair like you i'm sure it would not have been an issue because it would be really obvious that this is like a this permanent is a, this is a beard on purpose thing yeah whereas when i try and grow it it does look like a mistake right like i've forgotten absolutely so i i did i did reluctantly say fair enough fair. okay i uh, understood a little bit of heartbreak understood <laughs> Because the last time I did it was the first two months of the pandemic, in which we didn't have a single session, so I could literally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go without shaving for so long that it clearly was a conscious choice. Right. Ev- evidently, 10 days is just not enough. But you've only managed to do it in nine days. Yeah,
1: you need, you need a bit more time. Precisely. So, All right, well, we're scheduling the fourth wave, I
0: guess, so you never know. <laughs> Maybe there's the opportunity. Just before we get into the show proper, I did see someone predict another winter lockdown, but ah, uh, ugh. We'll get there. We'll get to that, shall we? Well, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: There will be the flu lockdown by then.
0: Okay. Well, on that note, welcome everybody to Seesaw Parade, episode 254 The Train, which is yet to arrive at the station, and you can jump off at any time. I'm (laughs) calling, and he's changed. There is no station. There is no. It's a never ending train. It's like that film Snowpiercer.
1: Snowpiercer, except the film version, not the TV show version.
0: And the further up the carriages you go, the the more disappointed and disillusioned you become. <laughs> so thank you for staying on this train and this train analogy for far longer than is uh, than is necessary. We are indeed Cease parade, Scotland's longest running, uh, season one of any entertainment slash news slash politics slash occasionally sport podcast. Oh, and we are statistically mm-hmm. less popular than fascism yes. but more popular than Jada Franson, which I will continue to hold on for. Absolutely. Well, thank you to uh, 100% True. Thank you to everyone who got in touch with the show in the last week. A couple of shout outs uh, shout outs to make. one to uh, my friend Luke in the North of England who wanted to thank us for keeping him company Ooh. on his late night walks. Oh. Which I I thought was very it was a nice surprise and very nice to hear. You're welcome. I hope you're enjoying your night. Uh, and also this uh, this podcast continues to be international. Tom Robertson Ooh. in Norway. <gasps> Has uh, has once again promised that he will uh-huh. send a review at some point. Yes, and uh, also he was very glad to hear that COVID was the reason I have now committed with Graham. So, uh, silver lining, definitely the main yeah. reason.
1: It's not like that you're mutually attracted to each other and you want to spend like time and a lifetime Life, potentially yeah. together. It's it's exclusively COVID.
0: Yeah, thank you, COVID. You know, hashtag, get the hashtag trending. But no, appreciate you getting in touch. And uh, everyone else on Twitter as well. Izzy sent in a tweet-based review, which we'll get to. And uh, also... Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a second. And also, uh, Shanana was uh, appreciating the the fact that there is a picture, which you can check out at our at cease operate on Twitter, of myself and your cat. And my cat, yeah. Zelda. For the world to see. Getting
1: very familiar with you.
0: Which is really interesting because I'm not... I don't tend to be like a cat person or like things... A a thing that cats like. That's not me. You don't think cats like you? Uh, No, not really. No. Because... Mainly because Graham has a, a cat called Bo who instantly, despite the fact I've been going over to, to Graham's for years now, right? the cat just bolts every, right. every single time I, I walk in the house. What's your method of approach when you see the cat? Like, say hi. Do you look at it in
1: the eyes? I do. Yeah, I make eye contact. That's your first mistake. <laughs> so just ignore it? Ignore the cat and it'll warm up to you faster than if you actually make any effort. Absolutely. And that's what you were doing. You were ignoring Zelda perfectly. And then she, when oh. she came over to try and have a nap on your lap, it was adorable.
0: And I didn't touch her.
1: Yeah, your hand, you, can,
0: you really didn't. You kept a distance. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also thank you to Dokio Podcast as well for getting in touch about Brewdog to say I thought the truth was known for years about uh, working practices there and the real news is that this letter was being reported on. Hey. For maybe the first time. No, it's, it was one of those less quiet secrets in in any industry indeed okay well any further thoughts you can get in touch with the show seesawparade at gmail.com for anything longer than 240 characters in which case you can use twitter but james let's crack on Mm -hmm. uh, and talk about uh, before we get to scotland who actually are playing football and have been playing football to some extent badly they have let's start with covid shall we yes I tried to come up with something witty there, and I I couldn't. So let's just get straight into it. It might be the first time we have said, let's start with COVID, shall we? Uh, It might be. Okay, so the news is that the final stage of easing lockdown restrictions in both England and Scotland is being delayed. So despite the fact... What? I know, shocking news. Despite the fact that for literally months, people south of the border were looking towards the June 21st date for all restrictions to be lifted. Which is this very day. as today. Of course it is. Summer solstice. Uh, they were looking towards this date, and then suddenly, because cases have been rising and continue to rise across the UK, mm-hmm. Prime Minister Boris Johnson said that these restrictions would be actually staying where they were until July 19th. He said there's going to be a review in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, today he's saying he's confident that the delay will not need to be any longer. Oh, right. Uh, but he could also not rule out the possibility the date could be pushed back further at the same time. Ah, unsure how both of those can be true. So he sounds just as confident as he did about this one. Well, uh, well exactly. Uh, the limit on wedding guest numbers down south is being removed, but uh, venues will still have to adhere to uh, to other rules. Oh. And uh, Scotland-wise, we've also had similar announcements made. This was the expectation that uh, the whole country, which was due to move to level zero (laughs) from June 28th, that's now been pushed back uh, by three weeks. Nicola Sturgeon told MSPs that this was the case so that more people can be vaccinated. I mean, this just makes sense. Uh, I actually got my first uh, vaccination on Saturday there. But oh, you got it on Saturday. I did. I have. A, I had a very okay. sore arm for about thirty-six hours. But other th- other than that, it's very manageable. Fine. Then, and uh, just at this point, I'd like to 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 recommend Microsoft products to you. Oh yes, yes. I hear that Bing
1: is the up-and-coming uh, search engine. It is. You should definitely use Bing. And
0: Edge is a really good browser to use. It is, and you should also donate to the Bill Gates Foundation. Okay, well, moving on. Unrelated to uh, getting vaccines, uh, this is uh, now the case in Scotland where. Daily infection rates are five times higher than they were a month ago. Yeah. We're seeing cases in Dundee, in Glasgow, and well, mainly the central belt, rising to over 300 per 100,000. And Scotland now has the highest infection rate in the whole of Europe. So that's where we are. Oof, that's bad. It is bad. But the main thing is that in the whole of the UK last week, six people died. From COVID. Indeed. Which is six people too many.
1: Far too many.
0: However, we are yet to see any link between the number of, of daily cases and a similar rise in hospitalizations. Indeed. The hospitalization rate is kind of low. Yeah. So, despite the fact that the infection rate is looking closer and closer to how it was looking at the start of the year, hospitalizations are basically steady. So, James, is this then. I know I've asked this question many a time. (laughs) Is this then the future? In which case we get to, whether it's July 19th or uh, late July for Scotland, and the powers that be say, infections are continuing, but actually we're just going to leave things the way they are. Because I believe if they suggest any return to lockdowns or a return to tougher restrictions, particularly in the central belt, people will just say no. It's... I think going to be a
1: mixture of the two. I doubt that there's going to be another return to to lockdowns. Maybe for some of the more densely populated and densely infected areas, there might be something. But I very much doubt they're going to keep pushing back these level zero uh, release dates for areas that are seeing... Okay. Zero cases through to like double figures over a month or two. However, we like as you said, we we're approaching numbers that we were seeing at the start of the year. Um so when we were talking last week or, or two weeks ago about this, the the rate of infections wasn't looking quite as scary as the earlier waves. And even now, it still isn't, even though we've approached like a half of the previous peak or maybe a third of the previous peak the 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 increase is is going slower, and I think they're gonna use that as kind of the excuse that rather than expecting a massive peak that is feeling exponential they might be saying telling us soon maybe in the next couple of weeks that this this one should just plateau all on its own and not be scary, and the hospitalization rate should should be low, and it will all be fine so uh I expect there will be some precautions taken they probably will you know. Say hey, and there's going to be no more uh, football games here. Isn't that good? We're gonna ha- we're gonna get rid of those because they're going anyway. They're gonna take. They're gonna ha- highlight all the things that are kind of naturally happening anyway to try and make us all feel safe, while still trying to release right anywhere they can. I don't expect a nationals level zero in July though.
0: Okay, so to add some more. Uh information here. We actually have had a big protest today at Parliament Square on what would have been uh, so-called Freedom Day all the coronavirus restrictions were due to end. So some demonstrators holding signs which are anti-vaccine, anti-vaccine passports uh, have been arrested. Lots of police there, lots of uh, pictures of of totally uh, normal people gathered in that space. And also we've had uh, five more deaths today. So that brings the UK close to the 128,000 mark. And, uh, and that that is of course the the bigger picture of the, the sheer scale of, of things. We'll talk about Brazil later in the program because it's now hit half a million. Indeed, yeah, we're it's awful. In terms of uh, in terms of the UK though, let's let's just move sideways onto what's happening in Manchester. And the story today is that uh, the mayor, Andy Burnham, is very angry at uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the Scottish First Minister, because she banned non-essential travel to Manchester and Salford because of the sheer rate of infections there.
1: Yeah, uh, the rate's pretty high. It's
0: like at Dundee levels. Pretty uh, pretty much. Close enough. Andy Burnham has has said that he's now written to Miss Sturgeon asking her to explain why this is happening. And uh, (laughs) Miss Sturgeon has said, uh, well, if he wants a grown-up conversation, he only has to pick up the phone. So this seems to be a very silly, petty playground spat as opposed to politicians actually getting stuff done. The First Minister has also Mm -hmm. said she was confused by Mr. Burnham's position because uh, back in May, there were exactly the same travel restrictions on uh, Bolton from Scotland, and and for exactly the same reasons, said Mrs Sturgeon, we're doing it now in Manchester. And Bolton's also in his domain. It is. So so what do you make of this? Yeah, so he
1: he didn't complain. Uh, And then, you know, since May, he's had a little bit of an uptick in popularity. He might be getting a bit of a fan base. So uh, apparently between the previous travel restrictions and these ones, that little bit of a fan base has given him somewhat of a spine or some of a desire to get headlines or who knows what, because these these restrictions over unnecessary trips are just too much. How dare you curtail travel that didn't need to happen in the first place?
0: Right. So so we've had, uh, just on that point, Andy Burnham is, has raised the theoretical point uh, yes. that if you have an elderly couple who are double-jabbed, which apparently is the <laughs> terminology... I don't like that. <laughs> the, the, the double-jabbed oldies can't now go for a holiday in England. Okay. And uh, asking, is that even fair if they haven't seen their grandkids for, for almost a couple of years? And he said, I don't think it is fair. It is. Um, Until the nation starts
1: allowing people who are vaccinated different rights to people who aren't, it is fair. This is what what being fair is. We treat everybody the same under the current uh, rules. The rules now are if there are travel restrictions, they apply to everybody in an area, not they apply to different numbers of jabs double or single or whatever. So I don't think he understands the word fair, I guess. Uh, But a lot of of his complaints came across as very shallow to me. And one of the ones that I liked that he put out was this idea that the Scottish government is treating Manchester the same way that the UK government treats Scotland, and Scotland always complain about that, and Nicola's always
0: complaining. Yeah, that's what he... Accused the uh, the SNP of doing running roughshod yeah. over the people of Manchester. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. I may not
1: understand the constitution of the nation or something, uh, but I believe that Scotland and England or Scotland and UK are like supposed to be equal in terms of partnership and right. like communication levels and decision making. Whereas I don't think Manchester is at that same level yet. I don't think they're one of the nations at the top of the chain. In the uk
0: the last time i checked they were not yeah
1: so the comparison didn't land for me let's let's say that much now i like burnham he's great i really hope that he keeps rising up in the labor ranks because he's got some pretty good views for a modern day labor member that isn't getting booted from the party um and if this is his method to try and get up the ranks is to like make it seem like he's anti-scotland a wee bit or anti-nicola go for it lad uh, but it didn't win points for me. It was it. just felt a bit cringy.
0: Okay, well, let's, uh, before we move on to other stories, talk about Scotland in Euro 2020. Because, James, it appears that uh, both of our predictions, as made on the, the show last week, Wait. are still currently viable. Viable? 100%. We're just getting, we, we, Scotland are, are giving the opposition some hope oh, Precisely, we're, we're, just, uh, we're going easy on people mm-hmm. to start with So to, uh, to give you a, a very quick summary Scotland started against the Czech Republic uh, last week With a 2-0 loss at home <laughs> Despite having lots of chances They decided to miss was, all of them Which was very helpful It was so painful <laughs> How do you score nothing? <laughs> in your first game in 23 years in a major tournament Yet to score.
1: With so much of the possession, so many shots,
0: nothing. <laughs> indeed. So, lost that game, which uh, set moods low and pessimistic for the game against no, yeah, England. It, yes, indeed.
1: It, it was immediate. It was immediate. Everybody was like, it's
0: over. <laughs> We're done with sports. Uh, and that, I would say, was, uh, yeah, the, the mindset of the nation, whether or not they wanted to say it, ahead of the game against the old enemy <laughs> on Friday... At Wembley in London, yes, and then Scotland played very, very well, yes, and got a nil-nil draw against the vastly superior English team. And then on social media, there was a glut of comment and criticism <laughs> of all the English pundits and clips of them all saying, "Oh, I see, it's only it's going to be three nil, it's going to be four nil. Actually, we should be putting <laughs> six and seven past this this team. Four 0
1: sweet. We should aim for six. Yeah, six goals seems reasonable against." Piddly Scotland. So the boys did very well. (laughs) Nil nil. So so funny. A win would have been less funny than than a nil nil. (laughs) So I'm living for it because I'm not I'm not hyper invested in in winning the whole thing. Don't worry, it might be my prediction, but I'm not. I've got my life savings on it. The nil nil and the memes thereafter that's what i'm here for
0: yeah uh, the prediction was done for comedy purposes i'm sure no it's, it's, it's a serious prediction i just didn't bet my life savings on it right okay so scotland's still to win it that is still possible because 100 winning the whole thing scotland play croatia on tuesday at eight o'clock and dear listener you may actually now be past tuesday at eight o'clock so you already you know probably are you already know what you know before we do how this is going to yeah. go, but basically, yell
1: it at us right now. Shout the result at us. We might hear you from the future. <laughs> what was the result?
0: Oh, thanks. Whoa,
1: four 0 to Scotland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, as James is, uh, has has rightfully heard from the future, there Scotland need to win, and if they fail to win, we didn't even have Gilmore on. I can't believe it. I'm getting to that. Just a second. I was a joy. I was just, I'm planting the seeds for okay. your next story. Once, uh, once Scotland have won. Because of the convoluted way this championship now works, because UEFA like money, we actually won't know until, I would say, Wednesday, maybe Thursday, I think maybe Wednesday, Indeed, if we are actually through or not as one of the best third-place teams. So that's where we are. That is where we are. Now, linked to this, as you say, Billy Gilmore, a 20-year-old player who plays for Chelsea, who are a very good team in England, was uh, missing from the first game. And everyone was saying, hey... This guy is very talented and he's young and he's Scottish. Billy? Why was he not playing? And then Where is the manager, Steve Clark, said, you know what? I will play him. And he did play him. Here's Billy. And he did play very, very well. However. And the whole English squad was like, well, here is Billy. Uh, and also they were like, oh, we thought he was English. Because everyone, everyone before the Euro Championships was like, hey, why hasn't Billy Gilmore been called up? Because he's Scottish. Yeah, a bunch of dafties. So the sad news. Yes, to report here on Cease Operate is that uh-huh. Billy Gilmore has tested positive yeah. for COVID, yeah, and is therefore out of this crucial match against the World Cup runners-up Croatia uh, on Tuesday. It's just this is travelling. It is because I, I completely agree. He was tremendous. It also makes me sick that at 20 years old you can be that that talented. I wish I was that talented at anything at the age of 20. But uh, yeah, it does certainly leave a hole in uh, Scotland's midfield. And they really are going to have to produce. i, I
1: got to be honest, the midfield is 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 my favourite for putting people back into. Though I feel like Scotland's got an under, underappreciated depth in their mid- midfield collapse. I saw a football, an analysis video on the Scotland squad. And they were like, Scotland really struggles to find players for their midfield. And I was like, shut up. You don't, I know more than that. And I barely care. Okay. Uh, so it, it should be fine. The, 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 the reason I'm concerned, and yeah, we're probably going to lose because Gilmore was going to save the day again.
0: Well, well hold on. Um, but before, before we get to, to your prediction, okay, let me just set my scene, and then you can set your scene, and then we'll, we'll pick a score. Okay. First of all, I would like to say, just to, to share a quick anecdote. On Friday, myself and Graham went through to Edinburgh for the Scotland-England game because uh, younger brother Mike and older brother <laughs> Kenneth were watching the game together oh and said hey hey colin want to come watch the game and i said great i've had a few drinks we've, we've had some drinks can graham come too and so we went and sat down and of course the focus was on the football yes rather than on uh here is life partner right so after about 10 minutes because graham is is very new to football mm-hmm. uh, his pal lived literally around the corner so they were going to go catch up and uh, as he left he said i hope scotland get a score <laughs> And so that is my mindset going into uh, going into the the game against Croatia. I do hope Scotland get a score, even if that's not quite the the, the right terminology to use. Like a rubber bank, it's gonna have to be daylight robbery if we we're to beat the World Cup runners up to get the three points yeah. that maybe take us into the next round. But ultimately. Scotland do have the right mentality. I believe all the players will be up for it because they realize how big an opportunity this is for their team to get into the knockout stages of a big tournament. The f- the only question, that would be great. the only question that remains is can they actually score a goal? Because at the moment oh, man. we're on two games and in the words of Graham, no scores.
1: I want to I want to harken back to it. An unrecorded discussion that we had where I, I called out this problem with Scotland squad to you okay. on this last weekend. I said, we do not have scorers. We've got people who can hold the ball. With their feet. Nobody who can put it into the net. I did say this to you. Yes, yeah, I, I, I said we've got pl- lots of players who can pick the ball up into their hands and get away <laughs> with it. Um, but nobody who's scoring. And you, I want, I want you to give me some sports points right sports now. Sports
0: points have been given because I
1: did say this, and then we've gone two games with zero goals. Going to give you a gold star as well. Thank you for the gold star as well. I love it. Um, I, I don't, I don't think this we're going to score a goal. Um, <laughs> but we're still going to win the whole tournament um, just for sheer, from sheer willpower. Um, but the big thing that I'm really worried about is everybody else is going to test positive for COVID uh. like tonight. Okay, and this could just this couldn't this might not just be the Scotland squad. We might have some England England players getting tested and turning out positive too. But I feel like there's no way only one person comes back positive. I think if one person tests positive, half the squad does, and what's going to happen then? <laughs> We just get DQ'd or something, for not not being able to field enough yeah. players. Do I get called up? That would be fun.
0: I, I mean, I did post a, a a series of pictures today on the Work Pink Elephant account to say, oh, it was me in a Scotland shirt, and it was my boss in a Scotland shirt and his kids in a Scotland shirt, to say, out of the four of us, who's getting the call-up to replace Billy Gilmore? The children. That, that that was the consensus, because they were likely yeah. fitter than both of us. Indeed. In reality, I'm saying 1-0 to Croatia. And Scotland end their wait for 23 years between major tournaments without scoring a single goal. That's my bold prediction.
1: I think it's a fair prediction. I think we've got a decent chance against Croatia, but honestly, yeah, it was not the one, the game we were supposed to win. So it's serious fingers crossed at this point. uh, We've got to rely on some, some players to come through or some players to play well. I was going to carry on, but uh, that was cringe, so I stopped.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's uh, let's move on to what we've been watching. And dear listener, if you have finished a movie, a TV show, a book, a play, a nice meal, you can actually review it and send it to us and we will play it. Or if you just prefer the written word, we will read it out for you. Colin
1: will dictate it wonderfully with emphasis landing in the right places most of the time. Putting the emphasis on the right syllable. Yeah, I can't even do that when I speak normal, so (laughs) that's why Colin reads everything.
0: We'll we'll get to uh, Izzy's review of of the opening episodes of Marvel's TV show, the new one, Loki. Ah. I said that in a very strange way. That's on (laughs) Disney+. Plus. Started a few weeks ago, and we've got a a couple of tweet-based reviews. Uh, James, I've seen two movies, one of which was new, one of which was a a rewatch. Do you have anything? I don't think I do. I talked about Critical Role last week. You did,
1: yes. And I don't think I've I've consumed any media since then. I must have just been on a bit of a wow, a bit of a I was being a bit of a slug, I guess. Okay, no consumption, just slugging about.
0: Just, just going from A to Z very slowly. Yeah. Well, let me start with the Oscar winner for Best Actor, the Father, which is currently <gasps> you did it at Cineworld. It is, yes, it is. It is out there, Anthony Hopkins in the lead role, in which, uh, if you cast your minds back a few months, controversially won the award ahead of Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. The whole ceremony was rescheduled so that the best actor category would come last. It would end on a really nice note for for Mr. Boseman. And in the end... Or his family. It turned out the Academy voted for Anthony Hopkins, who at this point was in his bed. (laughs) And so... uh, and they didn't let him zoom in either. So it was just like, and and Tanae Hopkins, hooray. Okay, that's the end of the show. He's
1: asleep someplace. Hey, we're done.
0: So I watched this movie. It also has the likes of Olivia Colman and uh, Rufus Sewell, who is the kind of villain you see in every movie ever over the last 20 de- twenty decades. So he has been around. He is twenty a 200-year-old a man. film began. <laughs> 20 years, I should say. Anyway. This is also based on the play by Florian Zeller, who is the French playwright, who decided to then adapt this for the screen and then direct it himself. Uh-huh. So it very much is a, uh, a one-man show. I think Florian is a boy's name. I'm unsure. Could be either. So this movie, The Father, is disorientating or disorienting, if you're across the Atlantic. It is... A real puzzle to figure out what exactly is going on. If you've seen the trailer, to give you the brief premise, it is the character of Anthony, who is played by the similarly named Mr. Hopkins, who is in his flat and strange things are happening. Yes. One day, his daughter is Olivia Coleman. The next day, his daughter has a different face and a different voice mm-hmm. and her husband is is someone completely different. Right. And suddenly he feels like he is, uh, he's been transported to a new place and things are going missing. He's losing his watch and uh, scenes are happening in different orders. Conversations are being repeated oh. and you do get into this headspace of, I don't really know what's going on. And it's only at the end of the movie... That you figure out yeah. why or or what has been going on and and why the director has put the yeah. the scenes in the order that they are. So it it's clear to me why Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor because mm-hmm. he is phenomenal. Particularly at the end of the film, you forget you're watching Anthony Hopkins and you just feel like you're watching uh, an eighty something year old man who is losing his his memory. And it's essentially portraying the early stages of dementia, in which, yeah, as a, a person's brain deteriorates, they begin to confuse different people, and different conversations. And what you see, uh, what you see unfolding, initially, you be- you believe, oh, this is some sort of uh, well concocted thriller, where people are are trying to connive this poor old man out of his flat, when in reality. He's just forgetting yeah. things. He's forgetting people. He's forgetting conversations. Yeah. So it, in the way it is it is edited, the way it's directed, really nice. Like, it's, it's well done. It is very, very sad. I'll tell you that. Un- unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. And towards the end of the film, as I say, you begin to make sense of it. Similarly, though, to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, it is very clearly made for the stage. So it's... Everything is done in a very enclosed space. You're maybe in a total of maybe ten rooms in the entire movie, and that's it. So I can see where they've they've taken it from the theaters and transposed it into film, but the conversations are still chatty enough. That it, it 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 retains its reality, okay, as opposed to what we often see, particularly with Marini and also with Fences, which was the previous uh, Viola Davis, Denzel Washington number. It was very clearly still heavily scripted, heavily focused on the artsy dialogue. Right. So right, right. I see what you mean. As a film, it's not one that I'm going to rush out and see again, mm-hmm. but I can see why particularly Anthony Hopkins won. Olivia Colman's very good as well. I believe she was nominated at a couple of different award ceremonies. But it's, it's fine. It's Oscar bait. I can see why I did well, and that's about it. <laughs> I liked the summary of your review. Very good. <laughs> okay. I also watched Rogue One for a second time. Oh, wow. Which, uh, for those of you who are trying to rack your brains for what that is, it's the Star Wars spin-off, which is set between Episode 3 and Episode 4. Yeah, it's the many spies. Right. So it's basically the ragtag bunch of ragamuffins who go down to Scarif to steal plans for the Death Star and are facing total annihilation Guarantee destruction and do it anyway. Yeah, you just
1: got to do it. It's the right thing to do. We're going
0: to save the universe. This movie is... Right, not to say that it's, it's completely pointless, but <laughs> it is in that this, this was clearly designed as a cash grab for the bigger Star Wars audience. There is, there is absolutely no need for this film to exist. However... Yeah, but that's like every film... For the purposes of the the canon of the wider the wider universe, <laughs> I got you there. I heard it. <laughs> one, <laughs> fair enough. You have episodes one through nine. They tell a story. You don't need stories in between the other stories. So, for to that end, yeah. it feels totally unnecessary. That being said, yes. when the film gets certain things right, it does it very very well indeed. So, for example, was watching this with Graham. He was seeing it for the first time. Midway through, and sorry, this is a mild spoiler. He says, "Oh, I think it's okay at this point." They're just killing everybody off. There you go. <laughs> and yeah. in a way, you're like, oh, that's refreshing because suddenly you don't just have a film with maybe like one minor character dying. No, let's just kill literally everybody. Right? Yeah. So some of the beats in the movie, I, I, I completely am on board with, and the way it's shot, the way it's filmed, the special effects. Brilliant. And most of the performances are also good. I think Forrest Whitaker's interpretation of his character, uh, Saul Guerrero, it's, yeah, it's, is a um, wee
1: bit too much. Yeah, that was hard to hard to, hard to to take in.
0: Save the dream!
1: Indeed. I mean, come on. They've done good work with, with that character in loads of the other stuff since, and surrounding right. as well.
0: Because there's, there's a scene in which, a completely unnecessary scene, in which he, he leaves Riz Ahmed's character... To be to have his mind read by a giant slug. Yeah, that w- the the giant slug that will debilitate the kid. Right, it leads it gives absolutely nothing. It, there's there's no, no reason for that scene to exist at all. No. And it's things like that. There's a there's a number of them in the movie where yes. I think what was the point of that? That makes there, yeah. no sense. Why is it there? There are
1: several parts of the story, or scenes, or character interactions, or decisions that they made that just don't work. But if you can set those aside and enjoy the rest, it's a it's it's one of the better Star Wars films since they started making loads of those again.
0: That's a fair point. It's a good summary in which to leave it. So thank you, James, for contributing to my watch along here of uh, Rogue
1: One. I will say I did like, and I'm going to give everybody the touchstone for this, the films that do the whole kill everybody. There's the lazy way of doing it where you write a whole bunch of characters that nobody's upset when they die and therefore nobody hates you when you kill them. And then there's the really brave way of doing it, which is the zombie film way of doing it, where you make all the characters interesting and good, and then they die. And it's the rules of zombie films. It's like one or two survivors, and then at the end, maybe even after the credits, you kill the final two anyway, um, where you actually want to break people's hearts as you kill them all off. And uh, I think grabbing that from however many years and decades of zombie film and putting it into this was, was nice, where they actually had good characters Mostly good characters who are well defined then. Yeah, who then we can be upset when they meet their end.
0: Right, right. Yeah, mostly. Okay, let's move on. I had a review in tweet form from Izzy who says after a massive Marvel hiatus, self imposed because I got bored. Fair enough. Oh fair enough, yeah. <laughs> Here is my one sentence review of first of all episode one hey. of Loki. Here we go. The new the new one. The new T V show Marvel, new one. Indeed. Everything is happening very quickly. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Uh-huh. Owen Wilson is in it, and that's taking a bit of getting used to. Y- Owen Wilson is v- is definitely Owen Wilson in it as well, yes. Okay, Here, here's uh, the one-sentence review of episode two. Uh-huh. Things make a bit more sense, but lots of characters to get used to, mm-hmm. and a weird clock animation that feels out of place, although the main story is quickly becoming quite clear. Uh-huh. And that is followed up with. with uh, I will post an episode three one sentence review next week if I remember. Absolutely. So thank you, Izzy. I appreciate that. I'm I am yet to start Loki. Are you? I've yeah I've kept up. Um, it was one of the ones
1: that I knew I would need to watch because they've they've made it very clear that the 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 shenanigans that will take place in Loki's story are the turning point for the next set of Marvel everything. Right. We had a couple of hints of it in. One division, uh-huh. um, but this is where they are going to set the let's say new rules for the Marvel universe because there there's a lot going on and it's going to free up the stories to to be a, a bit more wild and a bit a bit less hopefully a bit less predictable and a bit less copy pastable. So I have been keeping up with it, and I'll have my reviews after it's done. But what they're doing does matter, so I pay attention. If you like Marvel.
0: Right, James, let's uh, hit some other quick-fire news in the the news this week. News of the world. Bad sentences happening all the time this episode. Let's start with John Berkow, who, or Berkow, I should say.
1: Speaking of bad sentences. Yeah,
0: uh, Former Speaker at the House of Commons, Mr. Berkow, has defected to labour. So, this, this is... <laughs> That was uh, impeccable. Former Tory MP says his party has become reactionary and populist. <laughs> and really, to the surprise of no one, yeah. announced that he was, uh, he was joining Labour mm. and, uh, and also had other nasty things to say about Boris. Uh, James, how unsurprising was this? It was Well, the only
1: surprise for me was that he was sticking with the politics, right? Right. There was absolutely no surprise that he wasn't interested in the Conservative Party anymore since, you know, the disinterest was mutual so to speak. The new Conservatives didn't like him very much.
0: Yeah, they, they did try to depose him on at least two different occasions because they felt he was, yes. uh, despite being a Conservative MP, was actually anti-Conservative. Yes, and they rejected his peership. Ah, yeah, so they did. So they didn't nominate him for
1: peer, which they usually do for outgoing speakers. So they bucked a trend. So it was a little sh- sh- slap in the back of the neck on the way out the door. But considering his history, it's a little bit surprising that he's that he's shifted so far left that alliance of labour, and it might be more of an indicator of just how much of a centrist party labour is under Starmer and all the rest of the current labour leaders. Um, that that somebody who has had a lot of the positions that Berko has had in the past feels. Like he can slip into the party and actually boost it because he's 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 had some bad takes back in the day. And oh, he has. I'm glad that you can you can put all those behind you and say, hey, actually, I act, I get it now. And these people are bad, and these people are liars and manipulative and all these things. And we don't want to deal with that. Let's do better. Um, but considering it all, it's a it is a big step. But I, I, it does make me worry that maybe. It's just going to continue this trend of labour aiming for centrist candidates and centrist votes and there's not going to be a place for leftists to vote. It's a worry in that sense. But overall, congrats to the guy. He's clearly understood that the Conservatives are what everybody else already knows that they are even their voters.
0: Okay, let's move on. I did mention Brazil earlier, so let's talk about that. The number of deaths related to COVID has passed half a million, which is now the second highest in the world. Uh, Experts say the outbreak could worsen still amid slow vaccination and the starts of winter in the Southern Hemisphere. So the virus has, has continued to spread because the president, Jair Bolsonaro, has refused to back measures like Uh, social distancing or wearing masks. And uh, only 11% of adults are fully vaccinated, which uh, in comparison to, for example, the UK, which is approaching the 70% mark. We've had Brazilians joining anti-government protests at the weekend, but very little, if any, change. Uh, James, thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah, Brazil
1: continuing to to be just a sad story as they are all basically sacrificed for one dude's ego or maybe several dudes' ego, depending on how many people are making these decisions. Because they are not making these decisions based off any sense, any science, any, anything that's compassionate. They're just doing it because they, they believe that it's the good thing for themselves and they will sacrifice, at this point, hundreds of thousands of people to make that point. Um, And all we can can hope for is massive change, which is really hard to do peacefully. Um, And I don't think does get done peacefully very often. And it's not just Brazil, there are are other countries in South America that are in really bad situations regarding the virus. And uh, that affects the world, because the more people have the virus, the more chances we have of of the virus evolving into something that just ignores all the vaccinations that we've done. And everybody's efforts are set back to zero or basically zero. So it's all terrifying. It's awful, awful for the population to be so horribly let down by their leaders. And hey, it affects all of us. So everybody needs to care about this. This story shouldn't just be going uh, in the the international news areas of your websites. This should be front and center. It's a failure at a global level.
0: But ultimately, as you say, it's the people of Brazil who who will make change. It's not going to be based on what various leaders in the world say. Jair Bolsonaro has demonstrated time and time again that regardless of what other people say, he will do his own thing, even to the extent of catching COVID. Yeah, nothing changed. You know, some people expect at all oh, that's when he realizes how serious it is and he'll make changes, and he didn't. No, he he did not.
1: But the, the, the world is powerful. <laughs> like Brazil isn't the number one economy, even if it was, and everybody else was number two, three, whatever. The world is a powerful thing. There's a lot we can do to help the population under any leader. We just don't because it costs us money and it costs us resources, which is why you have to frame things as, this is gonna come back and bite you from whatever nation you're in if we don't deal with it over there. And we need to push our resources there. And I'm not saying give it to them for free. If you're a greedy capitalist type, you don't have to give it to them for free. You can say, hey, we're gonna do this now and then we're sanctioning you later so we make our money back, right? There are ways around this that do not give Bolsonaro a little boost to his ego. He's made the mistakes. Everybody else can like mass produce vaccines way better than we are because we're just being selfish with the patents still and then g- make the money back later if you want to be greedy.
0: Just on the uh, the notes of capitalism there. Did you see this week that Joe Biden made anyone who's an- who's against capitalism uh, illegal in his domestic Terrorism strategy.
1: Oh, yeah. similar. UK has done similar, had similar ish um, sounding outputs where, like, oh, just being anti capitalist can get you deemed as a terrorist very conveniently in the
0: system we right. stand in. <laughs> So 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 yeah. This was one, and again, I, I explained that very poorly. This was a, a strategy published uh, online, a thirty-two page document out uh, outlining the uh, Biden administration's classifications of different types of domestic-based terrorists. Yes, and uh, one of these essentially criteria or criterion for stopping the the threats of tomorrow, mm-hmm. one of which was essentially anyone who was. I'll quote here: opposing all forms of capitalism. <laughs> so that is just dirt. I guess uh, in the same group as fundies. It's ridiculous, right? So, so to me, it's yeah, it's it's classed in the same uh, paragraph as uh, anarchist, violent extremists, and uh, domestic violent extremists uh, (DVES). So, does does this then make anti-capitalism illegal if this becomes law? I don't know if it would be illegal it's just
1: about what you do with it maybe if you send a wrong tweet that's not worded specifically enough they could they could wiggle it into you being a like encouraging some terrorism now, rather than just encouraging a protest or a movement, they could say it's encouraging terrorism, and then you get done even harder.
0: And of right. course, anything so, like so, this. So just sorry, just just to add some, just to add some context here as well. The, the section also adds: uh, this is anyone who violently opposes all forms of capitalism, including corporate globalization <laughs> yeah. and governing institutions, which they perceive as harmful. To society, and and this is who defines violence is the big thing, and
1: it's 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 violence is always defined by those up top as whatever is most convenient for them. Um, th- there are so many indicators that any of these lists from uh, people who are invested in capitalism as a scheme are just defined by their own uh, beliefs. There's a really um interesting take I saw on this list and similar ones in... You never see pro-lifers getting put on the terrorist list, even though pro-lifers, in quotes, um, uh, attack far more people per year and far more buildings and uh, functions and areas per year than anything on the the list that is along the lines of (laughs) anti-capitalism and stuff like that. So it's just all framing. And it helps them make it illegal to teach the young about those things because you got to protect the children from like terrorist beliefs like being against capitalism. So it's all an investment in
0: their own interests. Okay, let's move on to the penultimate story this week. Hey, but no way! He did make Juneteenth an official holiday, so... He did! Go Biden! <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, Juneteenth marks a hundred and I want to say fifty-six years yeah. since the last slaves were... Emancipated in the south of the Big country, Joey B. or freed, I should say. Great
1: guy he's gonna keep on doing things that really don't change much. Um, um but you know, on the surface level, look great. Virtue signalling, I believe, is the right
0: the right phrase there. Yeah.
1: And I believe it needs a holiday, but it also needs action.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> I completely agree. Okay, moving on, penultimate story this week. Let's talk about Israel and Palestine. Uh, this is the news over the, the a two-pronged story. The first one I'm going to talk about is the vaccines, the fact that Israel, due to its overwhelming success of the vaccine rollout, had been under pressure to give some vaccines to Palestine. And uh, had said that they were going to offer uh, 1.2 million vaccines. Yes. But a couple of days later, the Palestinian Authority cancelled that deal mm-hmm. because the Pfizer jabs they received were too close to expiring. Oh. So Israel said it didn't need this stock of vaccines they were going to be uh, given to the palestinians uh, <laughs> uh, but despite being told that they would expire in uh, late summer when they arrived the mark date was june yes. and uh, their health minister my al Qaela, said it's just not enough time to use them we've had to reject them israel's not well, yeah. commented on this
1: well considering that infrastructure keeps getting deleted you know by bombs, I mean that too. Making it harder to actually get the vaccines to where they get used, and therefore the expiry date matters quite a lot. Um, yeah, it's uh, like it's like it's great that the the new health minister in Israel actually signed this thing to try and get this done. It is. It kind of sucks that it didn't work out, and I'm sure there will be people um, who would have been against the idea of taking the vaccines within Palestine, who would have said, hey, that that shows that we do depend on them too much. We don't want that to destabilize us and all that stuff. And even with all of that, they still tried a wee bit and there was just too many failures overall and it sucks. <laughs> They're in a prison. <laughs> they need the vaccines.
0: The second part of this Israel-Palestine story is that the ceasefire lasted was it 11 days? Was it 9 days? Uh, yeah, 10-ish. Uh, right. We, we had the Israeli uh, military carrying out more airstrikes uh, on the Gaza Strip last Thursday after Palestinian militants sent incendiary balloons into yeah. southern Israel. So just to, to weigh up the scales there, we've got airstrikes versus balloons.
1: Balloons, yeah. And I believe that the, the balloons didn't harm anybody Maybe
0: burnt a field? I don't know. Well, I mean, um, the funny thing is that, that, you that you cannot th- control uh, balloons and where they go. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you've
1: just got to kind of <laughs> hope that the wind goes the right way, I guess. Like,
0: precisely. It shows the technology we're working with here.
1: Um, but I believe the airstrikes also killed nobody. Um, but <laughs> it just shows that the new the new regime, uh, with its very right-leaning leader, isn't very hesitant to do the whole airstrike th- thing, so... The hopes that maybe having the coalition government would slow down their their eagerness to escalate upon response to anything, it hasn't worked out. There, there, there's no there's no delay. They just went right for it straight away again, which I'm, I'm, will not surprise many people. Uh, I was trying to be hopeful. Most people were trying to be hopeful. But um, when you hear that uh, the, the incoming leader is even more fundamentalist and right-wing than the outgoing one... Eh, the the bombs are a bit expected, and and again, it just it just sucks. The situation needs to be resolved in a far better way than it is, and they got to stop bombing people that are keeping controlled and locked up. In an
0: open air prison. Yeah, once once again, I thought it was interesting that the harshest words from the UN has been about vaccines rather than the bombing of civilians. Also, did you see uh, Ben Shapiro this week said that he was okay with the deaths <laughs> of civilians, uh, what just idiot. just generally. He said actually it's fine if they and,
1: and, and then he also uh, <laughs> had his moment where he tried to call out a panel who were being asked what they would ban next. Ben was upset that none of them said crime. Uh, I did see that, yeah. <laughs> Which, the, to the great entertainment of the world, who everybody else clearly knows that crime is banned because it is crime. It is, it is by its very
0: nature illegal. Oh man, the great mind that is shabibo. Yeah, yeah he, it, to quote him, he said, whenever I see in the newspapers that civilians in Afghanistan or the West Bank were killed by Americans or Israelis, I don't really care. In fact, I would rather that the good guys use the air force to kill the bad guys. Even if that means some civilians get killed along the way, one American soldier is worth far more than an Afghan civilian. Yeah. How about that?
1: No, I think he wrote that a long time ago, and it just keeps becoming more and more relevant as the Western countries kill more and more civilians needlessly. And also one soldier is worth, I don't know, (laughs) <laughs> Not very much compared to <laughs> civilians I I, I I don't know i would I would rather all of the soldiers died before the civilians started dying.' just gonna put that one out there. yeah, yeah okay. I mean the the soldiers are kind of getting paid to maybe die and then the civilians aren't. I don't get my like, daily allowance of like, hey, you might die
0: uh from being a civilian. Okay, on that cheerful note let's uh, bring the show to a close. One final story I can also hear Zelda making an appearance Uh, The Electoral Commission (laughs) is... She's hungry is two hours early Okay, the Electoral Commission is being stripped of powers to prosecute after the probe into Boris Johnson's flat. So this is to to give you the explanation. The Prime Minister is taking this power away after they they reported on his controversial flat refurbishment Uh, The Watchdog has been threatened with curbs ever since Uh, the vote leave scandal, where it turned out that people had spent far more than they actually were legally allowed to, and uh, ministers have now announced that a new elections bill will remove the commission's ability to prosecute anyone, arguing it wastes public money.
1: Right, but... This is this is a power grab, James. It's just a power grab. And it's the classic conservative line of is wasting money. And then they're just willing to spend money on whatever they, they deem worthy, whether it be an unnecessary yacht or an unnecessary contract with their friends. Um, this is anti-democratic. It's not just undemocratic. They're undermining th- some of the very few kind of weak tethers that we have to a proper democracy in the UK. Because the watchdog didn't have a lot of teeth left as it was i don't know how many more they can pull before it doesn't exist
0: <laughs> yeah it's again it's something we've been reflecting particularly over the last uh, few years of this uh, uk government but it's just another blatant attempt at shutting down accountability yeah and nothing will happen i mean i know the electoral yeah. commission instantly started protesting and said hey hey something needs to to be done to stop this and nobody really reported on it
1: yeah um but it just it's another thing in the chain of what do they gain because none of the systems hold them to account already whether it be the courts or the watchdogs or whatever all that ever happens is it comes out oh yeah the tories kind of broke the law this time or hey yeah the tories broke the rules this time and then just nothing happens nothing gets undone nothing changes it's just like oh yeah, we recognise that you guys did a bad thing and I guess the Tories just hate hearing that they did the bad thing.
0: There was one more story, which was uh, Dominic Cummings was back in the headlines. Oh, what a guy. He he leaked all the texts that Boris had uh, had sent him. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about that. No, we didn't. We, we saved it to last. I feel, to be honest, we have talked about Cummings and his uh, the things he says quite a lot, so this is yes. the right place for this it. This wasn't nothing too new. The thing is, I believe that It's a case of, and everyone knows this, him attempting to get his own back. It's like that that, that show from back in the day, CBBC. Instead of gunging people, he just gets to sit in front of a committee and and show WhatsApp messages. And whilst it did show, and Downing Street did not deny the uh, authenticity of these uh, messages. They didn't, yeah. it, It did show that the Prime Minister thought Matt Hancock was totally effing useless. In other news, grass is green. Yeah. You know, there was nothing that Dominic Cummings said which was yep. particularly new or newsworthy. It was just, oh, okay, this is what the Prime Minister really thinks, and Matt Hancock is now... He actually said it, Luke. Yeah, and now Matt Hancock is the safest, has the safest job in the government, because he can't fire him. Because if he, if he does, it looks like, he, what, he's, he's listening to Dominic Cummings' testimony, and he's saying, you know what, I, I should have fired him a long time ago. So Yeah, well, he, he should have. Ultimately... Political theater to its to uh, to the umpteenth degree in a situation where Mr. Cummings is simply out to uh, get back his get his own back at his old employer and uh, the opposition MPs lap it up despite the fact that the whole cummings Durham gate is still very much a thing everything yeah and
1: like he needs to go down just alongside the rest of the people who are making decisions and it says a lot he will not he'll not nobody will nobody ever will (laughs) look at where's trump still just doing what trump does not prosecuted if trump can go away without getting prosecuted everybody can anyway yeah it just shows a whole lot not just about Cummings and not just about Hancock it shows you a lot about Boris and how capable he is because he recognised that the person in charge of the health of the nation was useless and did nothing left him in the job left all of us to take the hit instead of firing the guy or instead of trying to reshuffle the power balances or instead of doing anything he just was like yeah but like what's the other options go uh, we just run with it he's he's he is also useless. They, they all are. <laughs> and they know it.
0: Okay, I believe we should just leave it there <laughs> for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And if you feel as disillusioned and as uh, disappointed with the state of the planet, then... Suck it up, princess. Welcome to the world. It's
1: fine, because it's not going to exist in 40 years.
0: <clears throat> if you'd like to contribute Zelda agrees. to the conversation or disagree or agree with anything we say Add your tuppence, you can do seesawparade at gmail.com yeah, or yeah, tweet yeah. us at seesawparade. But James, thank you once again, and Zelda, for your very vocal company. Very much appreciated and it. Zelda was on it at the end there. She, did, she was ah. into those final few stories she she agreed wholeheartedly <laughs> as I'm sure all our audience did too eh, well thank you very much and uh, we'll see you next week absolutely, bye bye everybody except not you Michael Gove <laughs> not you Michael
1: Gove, oh, man, I missed that joke I was hoping to get Zelda to do a big meow, Right, I'll see if I can get one in the mic
0: do it mm. I'll take that <laughs> not bad, okay bye Zelda mm. <laughs>